Welcome, everyone, to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I'm your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode four of the 2022 podcast series where we take a look at the draft-eligible prospects and get you ready for the NFL draft. Now, look, we're into the month of August, one week away from the start of the college football season. That's right. August 28th, that weekend, we've got a handful of games which then leads into Labor Day weekend, which gives us our full slate of games. So it's my job leading up to the beginning of this season to make sure everyone's prepared. They know who to watch out for for this college football season. And we've got nine podcasts that we're putting together for the preseason that breaks down each position's top 10 list, along with some other guys that are sprinkled in as well that you need to make sure to keep your eye out for. So the quarterbacks went first. Talked about Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, and the rest of the group. Last podcast was the running backs. Brees Hall, really I don't think he's getting the national recognition that he deserves. This is a guy who finished sixth in the Heisman voting. And a guy over 1,500 yards on the ground as well. I think if he has another year like he did in 2020, we could be talking about Brees Hall as a first-round pick. Now he's got a lot of guys in the backfield with him from the SEC primarily at the top of the draft class with Isaiah Spiller and Aeneas Smith from Texas A&M. You've got Kevin Harris from South Carolina, Zamir White from Georgia, Jerion Ely out of Mississippi. You can also sprinkle in some guys from, from the Pac-12 with, with C.J. Verdell, uh, the Big Ten with uh, Tyler Goodson and Mohamed Ibrahim. So there's there are a lot of running backs to keep an eye out for, a lot of potential in that group, but not really a guy that you're targeting like Najee Harris or Travis Etienne. I think if Brees Hall has another big year, he has a chance to be a first-rounder, but I don't know that it's a guarantee. I think with Najee Harris and Travis Etienne, we were talking about them as being first-rounders going into the season. Now we have a wide receiver class, and it's interesting. You know, you look at the last few years with the wide receivers, and uh, you know you had these guys that you knew were going to be at the top of the draft. This past season, we had uh, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, and Devontae Smith all come off the board in the top 10. 2020, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb... Uh, Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk. You go back a year before that, that was really a draft class where we struggled to see receivers that were, we were convinced were going to be first rounders. Hollywood Brown comes off the board to the Ravens at number 25. Nikhil Harry at the end of the draft, the end of the first round, number 32 overall. But then you had Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, who's become a star there in Tennessee, D.K. Metcalf, same thing going there in Seattle, and Terry McLaurin in, in, in Washington. Uh, so just because you draft a guy in round one doesn't mean that they're going to develop. You've got some guys later on in the draft that you can absolutely jump onto. 2018, G.J. Moore, Calvin Ridley coming off the board in round one. This was another draft class that was pretty weak overall. Uh, you did have Michael Gallup come off the board in round three. He's shown up really well there for Dallas. 2017, we had three receivers come off the board in round one. I think the overall depth of that draft class really uh, forced the hand of Tennessee, uh, the Chargers, and, uh, and Cincinnati to go after Corey Davis, Mike Williams, and John Ross, respectively. You know, Keep in mind, this also was a draft where we had Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, Cooper Cup come off the board uh, on day two, along with Chris Godwin and Kenny Galladay. So again, you know, a, a draft where we didn't think there was going to be that, that depth, 
and we ultimately saw some guys that ended up becoming some playmakers um, down the line. So just because you look at a draft class and you say, well, there aren't going to be guys in round one, that's really what we're going to be looking for in this draft class. You know, who are guys on day two and day three that we could potentially count on as guys that could be fast movers and guys that could get into a, uh, a camp and really excel? 2016 was another weird draft. Um, at the top, Corey Coleman, Will Fuller, Josh Doxson, Laquan Trevwell, none of them really panned out, although Will Fuller, you know, he's had a couple of decent seasons there when he was at te- uh, with the Texans. He's now in Miami battling some injuries. That's really his biggest thing is he can't stay healthy. That was a draft. On day two, we saw Michael Thomas, Sterling Shepard, Tyler Boyd. Um, so, again, you can wait. You know, look, you know, you had uh, Tyreek Hill in that draft going uh, coming off the board uh, in round number five. Had the off-field issues with the West Alabama, and we know the, the rest is history with him there. 2015 was was Amari Cooper uh, and really everybody else there in round number one. Not really uh, you know a draft where we saw a lot of receivers go off the board. We had six of them. Kevin White really fooled everyone with with a lot of the you know, one year there at West Virginia and then really put on a dis- uh, just really a display uh, with with all of his testing, but uh, really is just kind of fizzled out. And then you look at 2014. That was really the draft class that everyone's kind of built upon and, and talked about since you know uh, since then. Uh, when's gonna when are we gonna have the next 2014 receiver class? You have Sammy Watkins and Mike Evans come off the board in the top 10. OBJ, 12th overall. Brandon Cooks, Kelvin Benjamin. But then on day two, you get Devonte Adams falling all the way to number 53 overall, coming out of Fresno State. So again, group of five guys. Keep an eye out for some of them. Um, you had Allen Robinson, Jarvis Landry, also day two picks. Um, so again, we've got to look at these draft class, uh, these draft classes, and really identify some guys who may not be even from the, the household names in terms of the pro- their their programs, but guys who are going to end up not only making a roster but potentially making an impact. So as we look at the, this top ten. You know, these are guys who, you know, some of them are, are already established and, and, you know, some bigger names. And um, you know, really when we jump into things, I look at a guy like George Pickens out of Georgia, 6'3", 200 pounds. Uh, the, the junior, you know, was having a, a tremendous year there in 2020, 36 catches, 513 yards, six touchdowns. Um, you know, a guy, he's big, he's physical, uh, has excellent speed. He could end up being the number one receiver in this draft class. The only problem is, is he tore his ACL in uh, in April. And so the, the chances of him actually being available for 20, the 2021 season for the Bulldogs is slim to none. And then you talk about his draft stock and really what happens to him there. Does he decide to enter the draft or does he ultimately decide to come back to Georgia? Really a lot of question marks there with George Pickens. I am not including him in my rankings because of that ACL tear. Um, you know, We'll have to really see what happens as the season goes on. My number one receiver is Chris Olave out of Ohio State. 6'1", 188 pounds. A guy who has you know over 100 catches in his career with the Buckeyes, 1,766 yards, 22 touchdowns, and, and this is a guy who is just he's so smooth when you watch him run. You know he, he also you know runs a 4.3840, so uh, not only I, I think he's just so smooth you don't realize just how fast he is. He, you know he has that that vertical game to him, but the route running ability, the yak, 
uh, that yards after catch, you, you love to see that. Um, you know, he'll line up on the outside. He'll line up in the slot. Uh, like I said, the speed to beat you deep. He also does a great job finding the voids in the zone. So very intelligent receiver. Uh, you know, a guy who gave Clemson's Andrew Booth a hard time. Uh, you know, and that's one of the top corners in this draft. Same with Darion Kendrick. Uh, beat him deep on a post, 56-yard touchdown in the national championship. Uh, a guy who does a really good job attacking the football in the air. Um, you see him with really crisp routes, uh, you know, and really doesn't have to break stride because he had Justin Fields throwing him the football. But look, C.J. Stroud, uh, you know, I think he's got a, a receiver that he's going to love throwing the football to. Excellent body control along the sideline. Uh, does a really good job blocking as well. I think that's one of the things that you're going to be looking at with a lot of these receivers who can really elevate things to the next level. You saw him with uh, a nice block on the edge to spring uh, Master Teague for some, some big gains against Penn State. Had a block on the safety that sprung uh, Garrett Wilson on a 60-yard jet sweep. Um, you know, actually runs with some decent power too. You know, runs through uh, arm tackles. Needs to kind of watch the ball security though with some of that contact. But uh, a guy that I just, I, I, lo- I love the concentration. Quarterback's going to be in his face and he still goes up and hauls the football in. Uh, does a really good job winning at the line with, with his outside release, fighting through jams. Um, tracks the ball well over his shoulder. To me, he's the most polished receiver. We were talking about him as a potential first-round pick last year before he decided to come back to Columbus. Now, number two on the list is Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State, six foot, 195 pounds. And the junior, really, when you're looking at this, you've got two guys out of Ohio State. You're expecting to see Alabama with two guys at the top of the draft, right? I mean, first off, you had Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy. And then a year later, you have Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith. But this year, it's Ohio State. And Garrett Wilson, you know, he really, after a solid freshman season, he really had a breakout 2020. 43 catches, 723 yards, 16.8 yards per reception, six touchdowns. Uh, This was a guy who I thought um, did a really good job of showcasing that, that explosiveness. You know, he's another guy who's very, very smooth. You don't realize just how quick he's moving uh, until he's by you. Uh, but against Indiana, you know, had a 75-yard touchdown, just the speed vertically, um, very quick with his slants, you know, the, the, the cutting off of those breaks. What I love is just some of the subtleties there at, at the top of his route. And when he gets to that, you know, that stem, you know, being able to put a quick jab step and a head fake and then, you know, really sell the route either to the inside or outside and then cut back off of that. Um, you know, a lot of jet sweeps that, that we saw with him kind of ran a little bit of that uh, – um, Curtis Samuel. So when when they did get him the ball, uh, you know he was up for some big plays. Only two of those those carries this past season, but I expect to see some more of those. Another guy who's a really good blocker had a block on a safety against Penn State to spring Master Teague for some extra yards. Um, excellent concentration, um, speed as a punt returner as well. Um, wins with his angles, uh, cutting off the line. Uh, does a really good job there. Um, Body control, uh, able to adjust to the football in the air. Um, against Bama, had a slot fade to the back pylon. You know, able to uh, adjust to that ball and, and haul it in. Uh, I just, I, I, I think for me with him, I just want to continue to see him be that playmaker, be that special speedster down the field. 
know, when you talk about Jalen Waddle, this was a guy, even though he got injured, he was a threat to go the distance on every single play. You know, and Devontae Smith, obviously we know the Heisman Trophy winner, he was balling out. You look at, at a guy like Jamar Chase, this guy was big, he was physical, put up numbers that Devontae Smith did before Devontae Smith. So when you're talking about guys at the top end of that draft, I want to see Garrett Wilson really develop into that special kind of receiver, elevate his game. If we're going to be talking about him in the first round, he's got to be able to really take that to the next level and really have that moment. And I don't know that I've necessarily seen that out of him, but the talent and the uh, ability is absolutely there. Um, a guy, um, let's see, you know, against Rutgers, um, you know, had a had a fabulous game, uh, you know, and then against Indiana, running by Brian Fitzgerald, the Husky back, Husky back on a 65-yard run. Um, you know, a guy who does a really good job setting up his his uh, the, the the DBs. You know, a jab to the outside, then breaks inside, crossing crossing the face of the corner for an easy touchdown on a slant. Very much a technician along the sideline as well. Um, concentration in traffic, holds on to the ball even after contact. But again, I just want to see him really elevate that game to solidify his status as a first rounder. Justin Ross, Clemson, 6'4", 205, the junior. Look, this is a guy, if he had stayed healthy, um, you know, there, there. Who knows what would have would have happened with this guy in, in 2020? We could have been talking about him in the top half of, of round one as well. But he's been out since March with a congenital fusion in his spine. You know, he didn't even know that he had it from birth, and so I can't even say that he was injured per se. But you know, they discovered that after what they thought was a stinger in practice, had surgery in June 2020. He is now clear, and he's ready to return. And we're going to see what Justin Ross can do as a freshman. 46 catches, 1,000 yards, 9 touchdowns, at 21.7 yards per reception. People gave him a hard time in 2019. Just, you know, hey, just 66 yards or 66 catches for 865 yards and 8 touchdowns. You know, not really a, a huge deal, and people were giving him a hard time. You know, I think with Justin Ross, it's kind of similar to the, the Jamar Chase, uh, you know, discussion about whether or not he can beat you vertically. Is he going to be a guy that can separate? That's really the biggest question mark that you have for Justin Ross. I don't know that he's going to be able to run uh, sub 4-5, um, but if he's running around that, that 4-5-3 range, I think he'll be okay. I mean, look, he's got tremendous size at that 6-4-205, and he's very physical. He's going to beat you up much like Jamar Chase does, uh, a guy who does a tremendous job on those 50-50 uh, those balls. He extends his long arms and attacks the ball in the air. Uh, what I love for him on, on a lot of the posts, you'd see him extend for the ball out in front of him, catch the ball in stride, and then juke a couple of defensive backs to take that, that big play into a touchdown. Um, excellent sideline worker, getting his feet down, um, the body control there. What I loved uh, against Josh Job going up the sideline, one to the outside, extended that outside arm as he was fighting with Job, made a juggling catch against him. Um, just a guy who you know, he'll, he'll win at the, at the line of scrimmage with a nice stutter, jab outside, then cut back to the inside on his slants. But, you know, Not somebody who's going to necessarily run away from you, after the catch, but a guy who is going to get open consistently coming over the middle because I just I love the way that he he's able to do that you know uh, separate off the line of scrimmage, um, you know drove the, de the uh, defensive back off the ball time and time again. You'd see him actually throttle down and sink his hips and cut outside or cut inside, um, you know, and, and create some separation that way as well. So for a guy who's 6'4", 205, he may not have the vertical speed that you're necessarily looking for, but 
he can sink his hips and get in and out of his routes really quickly. And the thing that I love is he's not afraid to go over the middle. He's not afraid to, to go up and, and high point the football. Uh, I love the way that he's able to track the ball down the field, you know, especially you know looking over that shoulder. Um, Justin Ross, if he can show that he's you know he's 100% that he's back, you know, because you're gonna see him. Uh, you know, he. I love his physicality at the line. I forgot to even mention that. The push-pull that you'll see on the corners and then get his release to the inside, sometimes to the outside as well. Um, he's just so physical. And that's the thing that I just love. He's going to beat up corners there in the ACC. And, uh, you know, I'd love to see him go up against guys like uh, Derek Stingley um, just so that we could see him go up against the best corners. But, uh, look, if he stays healthy... Justin Ross, we could be talking about him as an early day one pick with you know, DJ Ui Angalale throwing him the football. At number four, Drake London out of USC. Now 6'5", 210 pounds, quit the basketball team to ultimately just focus on football. So he was a basketball player initially there at USC as well. Um, freshman year, kind of got off to a rocky start. You know, had had some trouble with, with some drops, some concentration issues, but ended up you know with 39 catches, 567 yards and five touchdowns. Follows that up in 2020. 33 catches, 502 yards and three touchdowns in just six games. So this was a kid who was really poised for a thousand yard season. Um, and that was even with Amon Ross St. Brown and Tyler Vaughn in the game. Despite the fact that he had those two guys on the field with, with uh, Drake London, you feared number 15. You had to know where he was on the field at any given point. And this is a guy who was just so physical after the catch it's difficult to bring down he's dragging guys for extra yards bouncing off of tacklers and getting down the field as well so he's very fun to, to watch after the catch he's also a very physical blocker on the outside that's one of the things that you see with uh, the uh, the air raid offense is a lot of blocks on the outside to set up his his teammates and he's a very not only a willing blocker, but he's actually a pretty darn good blocker he's going to bury some guys on the outside um comes back for the football along the sideline um you love the long arms he he attacks the football in the air like a like a basketball player so you see that really on display uh you know boxes his man out shields him away from the ball and then he goes and attacks the football while it's in the air look dennis rodman you know best rebounder of all time if he just waited for the for the basketball to come to him he would have never been the player that he was he went out and he attacked it Attack the football in the air, or I'm, I'm sorry, the basketball in the air had incredibly strong arm or strong hands to really haul the, the the basketball in, and that's what you see out of Drake London out there on the football field, uh, a guy who um, bounces off, like I said, bounces off tackles, able to keep his balance. That's one of the things that you definitely see, and, and he shows some good speed um, for a guy his size. That's one of the things that I thought was pretty impressive against UCLA. Man, this was. A 65-yard touchdown catch. You know, he's open down the middle of the field, cut inside the, the DB, nearly got stripped, secured the football, ran through a tackle, cuts back inside, ran through three more defensive back tackles, spun out of one, kept his balance en route to the end zone. Just really a spectacular play. Um, I just, I, like I said, I, I love his ability to attack the ball in the air, winning those 50-50 balls, just so incredibly physical. Uh, you know, and, and again, you want to be able to make sure that he can sink those hips and get, you know, be very explosive in and out of his breaks. As a basketball player, you have to have that lateral agility to play defense. 
otherwise you're not going to see any time on the court so i think that's one of the things that really helps him is that basketball mentality not only attacking the the football in the air but also with that route running so i just want to see him continue to elevate his game there and look usc their problem is not at the skill position. Drake London's going to be leading a receiving core that's just really deep. So he may not see quite as many footballs thrown his way. But there are a lot of guys. They go about six, seven, eight deep. Um, that's not going to be the issue for the Trojans there. Keaton Slovis is going to have plenty of guys to throw the football to. You know, it, it really is going to be a matter of, you know, will they... Will get Graham Harrell take that air raid and allow them to attack what the defense is giving them over the middle? Because they're going to play zone. They're going to play zone against you. You're going to have to force them out of that zone. And uh, they didn't really do that a whole lot in the first three quarters uh, uh, You know, in Pac-12 play. Fourth quarter, they just kind of had to grip it and rip it because, look, they were down and they were able to fight their way back and win. Drake London, Drake London was a big part of that. So you know that Keaton Slovis is comfortable with 15. I'm looking for big things there in the Pac-12. Number five on my list is Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. Look, 6'3", 232 pounds. This dude looks like a giant-sized tight You know, he, he looks like a giant receiver. You know, could play tight end. Um, you know, 51 catches, 820 yards last season, 16.1 yards per reception, seven touchdowns. Does a really good job um, using that size to his advantage. Has huge hands. His hands are, are ginormous. And he uses those to really go up, extend his arms, and be able to catch the football. Against Ole Miss, that seven-yard touchdown. Came across the end zone, able to go up and extend, haul the ball in with one hand, catch you know in the corner you know catch really the corner of the football secures it got a foot down while he was extended just an absolutely insane catch um you know body control especially on the back shoulder throws does a good job tracking the football over his shoulder the guy who you know he shows better speed than, than people really give him credit for i think that's one of the reasons why he's going to be someone that we're going to be talking about in the first two rounds of this draft um someone who's going to get Outside, he's going to take off down the sideline. He's able to shake a couple of defensive backs, so he has some of that uh, that elusiveness. So he's not just a stiff receiver who's just going to get vertical on you. He's going to be able to make you miss in the open field and get down the down the football field after that. So I like Trey, Traylon Burks. I, I love the size. He and Drake London are going to be those two guys that we're going to probably be comparing quite a bit because they have a lot of the similarities in their game. Uh, Burks may have a little bit more speed than than London, so that's going to be one of the things that you're really looking at is, is just how complete of a of a receiver these two guys are. Uh, Jahan Dotson out of Penn State is my next guy, 5'11", 182 pounds. Uh, look, you know Dotson in three years there with with the Nittany Lions, uh, 92 catches, 1,575 yards, and 13 touchdowns. Average 17.1 yards per reception over those three years. Um, I think everybody remembers that Ohio State game. You know, I think that's really the biggest biggest thing that you see. Um, you know, extending that right hand. You know, his inside hand to extend for the football when Sean Wade looked back, um, worked back inside on Sean Wade, uh, went over the top of, of Wade, able to go up and high point over him. Um, you know, a guy who just he he dominated that game uh, on the outside. You know, even though obviously Penn State lost. Um, I thought Jahan Dotson really, really exposed Sean Wade um, in, in a lot of respects. Um, you know what I love about him is you know, he he attacks the football in the air. 
You know, he's fearless from that standpoint. He's going to always fight for extra yards. Um, you know, you get him one-on-one on the perimeter. He's able to, uh, you know, to beat his man off, not only beat his man off the line, when the ball goes up, he's able to adjust uh, to the football and be able to haul that in. Very explosive acceleration to run away from defenders after the catch. And if you saw that Michigan State game, that, that fourth quarter punt return, makes the catch, starts directing, his, directing traffic to, to get a block, Broke a tackle, then down the sideline, cuts back inside to avoid a defender. 80-yard touchdown on that punt return. Uh, and look, you know when you look at what he's able to do, you know, only 11 punt returns in his career, but average 21.3 yards per punt return. So he has some of that versatility there as well, that explosiveness in the open field. And uh, you know I'm looking for big things for Jahan Dotson there in the Big Ten. Number seven on my list, Romeo Dubs out of Nevada. 6'2", 200 pounds. You know, a guy who went over 1,000 yards in just nine games uh, a season ago with 17.3 yards per reception, nine touchdowns on the year. And this is a guy, look, he developed that chemistry with, with Carson Strong. He, Cole Turner, and, and Strong have been roommates since freshman year. So the chemistry there between the three of them uh, is really a lot of fun to watch. So if you haven't gotten a chance to see uh, the Nevada Wolfpack play under Jay Norvell, make sure you tune in this year. Find that game and, and make sure that you watch because it's really a lot of fun uh, watching uh, the, the chemistry there on on, uh, on the field. But this is a guy, he's, he's long-armed, does a really good job attacking the football. Um, he, he has deceptive speed, I think, because um, you look at him, you look at his size, right, 6'2", 200 pounds, but ha- really has deceptive field and decept- deceptive speed. It can get down the field in a hurry. Um, really smart, does a really good job. Who uh, you know, just reading the corner, uh, had a corner and off coverage, ran by him. You know, noticed that he was flat footed and just went ahead and, and took off with him and uh, tracked the football in the air, 50 yard touchdown. Had that corner beat. Um, there was another play. Um, nearly ran through the back of the end zone on on this one play. Caught the ball over his shoulder and able to ke- ke- uh, keep his foot foot down. Had a corner on the island in another game. Vertical, just plants to the outside to get the cornerback to take a step outside. Then shows that speed to get it back inside on a post for a big touchdown. So that's one of the things. Getting that corner to turn to commit, open up his hips to the outside, and once he's got that, then he knows. He's got the post, makes that plant, cuts it, and perfect pass from Strong for a big play. Uh, and that's the thing that I, I really love about Romeo Dubs is time and time again, just understanding what to do, where the corner is, and how he can set him up um, with that route running. So a very intelligent player. Um, you love the stutter off the line and a quick catch to the inside on a slant, um, especially around the, the red zone. You see that time and time again. Um, you know, against North uh, New Mexico, gets vertical inside on the corner with a free release. This is the guy that you can't let have a, a free re- free release because the long strides allow him to accelerate down the football field. You've got to get hands on him, jam him early, because um, I, I think that's one of the things that I was noticing with him is, you know, he doesn't always fight through the jam. He can get rerouted at times. Um, so I really want to see him continue to be strong there coming off the off the line. But man, there's a lot to like when you watch uh, Romeo Dubs play, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do there in the Mountain West. Uh, number eight, we're going to South Alabama. 
Jalen Tolbert, 6'3", 195 pounds, another guy who went over 1,000 yards last season uh, in 11 games for the Jaguars, uh, 1,085 yards, average 17 yards per reception, eight touchdowns. Jalen Tolbert's game is attacking the football in the air. I look at my notes and time and time again, this was a guy who was plucking the ball over corners' heads, just elevating over them and on those 50-50 balls, making sure that that was his. Against UAB, had a 38-yard touchdown up the seam. Ball was a little underthrown, uh, but still able to leap up, pluck the ball over the DB. 50-50 balls, those are really his specialty. Uses those long arms and those strong hands to his advantage. Uh, a, a guy who just, you know, put the ball up and he's going to go up and get it. You know, that catch radius is huge. A guy that can drive his man off the line. Nice head fake to the inside to get the corner to commit and snaps off that route to the outside for some easy separation. Look, he's 6'3", but still able to set his man up, plant to get him to open up those hips, and then after that, be able to cut off of that drive and really create some of that separation. So he's able to sink those hips and really set up that route. And that's one of the things that I, I really appreciate watching Jalen Tolbert. Um, and, and time and time again, winning off the line, uh, nice stutter and, and gets a release, especially on those fades. Um, back shoulder throws adjust well to, to those balls. And really, I mentioned that UAB game with the ball underthrown. He does a great job adjusting to those underthrown footballs. So just because a quarterback may throw uh, a poor ball doesn't mean that this guy with his catch radius isn't going to be able to come back and make a play on the ball. So... I'm going to make sure that I'm tuning in and watching as many South Alabama games. I really want to see what Jalen Tolbert can do. Um, you know, Again, his game is going to be attacking that football in the air. Just put the ball up and let him do his thing. Which makes John Mechie at number nine, You know, it's a little bit different for him, right? Because he's, he's the speedster there for Alabama. Six foot, 195 pounds. Everybody's gone there in that receiving core for Bama. So now it's, it's John Mechie's turn to really showcase that speed. And look. You know, Mac Jones had fun throwing him the football deep. The 55 catches, 916 yards, and six touchdowns. Why is he not higher on the list? Well, you know, this is a guy, again, has those, that vertical speed and that nine route, tracks the football well over his shoulder, accelerates away from defenders, so we know that that's his game. But we don't see him do much of anything else. Is there any physicality to his game? Can he really go over the middle and take a big hit? Most of his plays were made on the perimeter and really going deep. You know, a lot of the vertical routes, whether it was a nine route or a post, I really want to see some more versatility to his game. If he's just a, a vertical guy, a guy that's just going to win you deep, you know, yeah, there's a there's a need for that at the next level, but you're not going to be a first rounder and probably not going to be a second round pick either. That's probably going to be, you know, third round range would be my thought, uh, at least initially. So I really want to see what type of chemistry Mechie has with Bryce Young there at uh, at Bama. Um, you know, if he has a big year, he could sneak his way into into that second round talk. But I, I only think he's going to be a first rounder if he can showcase some of that uh, that versatility. Look, you know, we, we know what uh, you know. Jerry Judy had the route running ability. Henry Ruggs not only was he a vertical threat, but this was the guy who really worked on his craft to be more of a route runner. Um, you know, Jalen Waddle could do a little bit of everything. You know, he had the speed, but he also showcased the, the route running ability, not just a guy that was going to get vertical on you. And Devontae Smith, you know, the, the never-say-die attitude, a guy that was just always going to attack the football and play with, with passion. And so what is John Mechie? 
You know, we know he's a vertical threat, but what else is he? That's really what I'm going to be looking for in 2021. My next guy, we're going back to the Big Ten again, and I'm going with Ty Freifogel out of Indiana. 6'3", 214 pounds. When you think of all the receivers in the Big Ten that we've already mentioned, right? Who's the Big Ten receiver of the year? It wasn't any of those guys. It was Ty Freifogel. And look, when Ty Freifogel was healthy, he, he battled some injuries. But when he was healthy, he was putting together some monster games. A guy who just showed an ability uh, to get open. You know, he was a vertical threat. You know, I, I think people weren't expecting to see uh, that, that type of ability to make plays down the football field that he was able to, to put together. Um, a guy who w- was pretty physical after the catch as well, um, but an excellent route runner, just knew how to get open. And really, there was a three-game stretch in the middle of that season that put his name on the map against Michigan, uh, seven catches, 142 yards, and a touchdown, 20.3 yards per reception. Follows that up the next week, 11 catches, 200 yards, and two touchdowns against Michigan State. Back-to-back 200-yard games because in that loss against Ohio State, seven catches, 218 yards, and three touchdowns. That's 31.1 yards per reception against Ohio State, the Big Ten champion. I mean, this was a guy who was just playing like a man possessed. Then he ends up getting hit with the injury bug a little bit and, and struggled to recover from that. But, you know, the Michigan game, look, you know, 32-yard reception up the sideline. His inside arm was grabbed by the defensive back, able to extend that right arm and still haul in the football. Did a good job stacking the corner against Michigan. Stutter, release, cuts to the inside, and then stacks him, tracks the ball over the shoulder, catches out in front of him. Um, Did a good job extending for the football when he was coming across on on the drags and and the crossers. Um, Definitely a weapon over the middle in traffic. I, I think that's one of the things that really stood out. Um, you know, a guy who uh, had an 18-yard touchdown. There was a throw to him in the flat, catches the ball. Um, at the 10-yard line, he was hit, dropped the pad level, spun away, and then had to spun, spin away from another DB at the 5-yard line, fight for the end zone. But a guy who just showed that you know he, he's tough to bring down after the catch as well. We're elevating to catch the ball in traffic over a couple of defensive backs um, against Ohio State. Uh, and and, uh, Marcus Hooker. Uh, Hooker bites and and comes down a bit, and what he ends up doing as he's coming across the field, he sees him come up and kind of get sucked up, and he takes that route vertical, understands what the defense is doing, understands he's got that leverage now deep and is able to make a play in the end zone for for the score there. Um, You know, again, taking what the defense gives him against Michigan State, snapping off those out routes and off coverage, really able to give him uh, easy first downs, taking what the defense is going to give him. Crisp route, uh, you know, the dig route coming across the field, kept that route down the line flat. Once he cleared the linebacker, made a really nice catch. He's a hands catcher, a guy that's just going to, you know, there aren't going to be any body catches with high fry fogel around. Uh, that Ohio State game, man, you know, ball throws up, you know, throwing up in the air, plucks the ball out of the air in front of Sean Wade. Uh, you know, in the slot, runs a curl route, comes back down the stem to the quarterback and attacks the football. Um, 63-yard touchdown, runs a post from the slot, wide open down the hash, ball thrown to the inside, catch and then up the field, strength run through the tackles and accelerates to outrun three defensive backs there. Uh, 56-yard touchdown up the sideline, back shoulder at the 28-yard line, able to adjust to the football, shrug off the corner and scores again. You know, to me, Ty Freifogel, I 
would have loved to have seen what he could have done had he not gotten bit by the injury bug. Uh, because he was having a phenomenal year. You look at that, uh, you know, that game after the Ohio State game, played against uh, Maryland, Wisconsin, and, and Mississippi. Only had six catches in those those final games. And, and look, what I will say against Mississippi, he had a pretty physical block on a uh, on a DB on the outside to spring Wap Fillior for for a big gain. Um, so even though he wasn't always getting uh, the, the football. He was still making making some plays against Wisconsin. Uh, didn't get any separation at all against Caesar Williams. You know, he was able to to break up because he had inside position, um, and that was I think a lot of that was based on the fact that he was still battling some injuries and you know couldn't really get in and out of his breaks like he was um, earlier in the season. Um, a healthy Ty Freifogel is going to be a guy to watch, especially with Michael Penix coming back. Next on my list is Eric Azucama out of Texas Tech, a guy that nobody's really talking about, and I'm kind of surprised by that. 6'3", 220 pounds, 46 catches, 748 yards, and six touchdowns a season ago, and I think a lot of people forget about uh, Azucama. Look, he was putting up some big numbers and having some big games, even though that quarterback situation there with the Red Raiders really was kind of in flux. You had uh, Alan Bowman, who was battling some injuries. Now he's out of the picture, going on to, to Michigan. You had Henry Columbi, who's now the backup there. Um, you bring in Tyler Shaw coming in from Oregon, and hopefully they can really connect and be able to uh, develop some of that chemistry uh, because I, I think this is a guy who is, is very intriguing. Despite the fact that he's 6'3", 220, this is a guy that you put on the game and the game film and you watch the vertical speed. He's going to beat guys down the field. He'll be able to separate. He tracks the ball very well over his shoulder. Um, hands catcher there as well. Um, a guy who shows really good concentration. He tacks the ball in the air in traffic. Um, long arms. And look, you know, despite being 6'3 and 220, he can get down the field in a hurry. He's going to be that vertical threat. He also has that big body as well, um, able to step out of tackles, very difficult to bring down. The biggest thing that I didn't see a whole lot of with him was uh, can he sink those hips on a consistent basis and, and really drive out of those cuts? Is he more of a vertical guy, you know, stiff in his hips, not able to get in out of his breaks? Weren't really able to see that a whole lot. Uh, that's why I have him further down on my list. But uh, he's one of those guys who I think is very intriguing, as is Trey Turner out of Virginia Tech. 6'2", 195 pounds. And this is a guy, you know, over 1,600 yards in his career with the Hokies, 17.2 yards per reception, 11 touchdowns. And, and a guy who I think, you know, the body control is one of the things that you definitely see, able to extend for the football, adjust to especially the poorly thrown balls large catch radius, a guy who's going to make the first man miss, can't excel away, uh, away from defenders, um, very strong after the catch. You'll see the stiff arms, especially there was a game against UAB uh, down the sideline, got a nice stiff arm and was able to uh, get some extra yards after the catch. Um, against UVA, had a fade, able to go up and haul in one-handed catch, right arm, uh, with his back to the sideline right there at the goal line. So it was really a pretty play there as well. A guy, you know, just put the ball up anywhere around Trey Turner. He's going to be able to attack the football. And look, you know, another guy who's 6'2 and has really nice speed down the field. I just want to be able, again, to see consistently sinking those hips and driving in and out of those cuts 
And uh, if he's able to do that, then he, I think he's another guy that's going to rise up draft boards. Ready for another receiver out of the Big Ten? How about David Bell out of Purdue? 6'2", 205. The junior uh, had a 1,000-yard season in 2019. Rondale Moore out due to the injury. 86 catches, 1,035 yards, 7 touchdowns. Follows that up. Uh, just played in, ten, in six games there in 2020, but still 53 catches, 625 yards, eight touchdowns. This is a guy who I think you put on the tape and time and time again, what you're going to see is him plucking the football out of the air, high-pointing the football over DBs. There was a, a one-handed catch against Minnesota, um, plucking the football out of the air you know, along the sideline against Northwestern. Um, excellent concentration. There was a ball deflected in the air by the safety, Brandon Joseph. Um, who had jumped the route, was still able to haul that in, so showed tremendous concentration. Uh, he's not a burner by any means. He's not going to be a guy that's going to be able to get vertical on you, but he, he's definitely physical, a guy that's going to, he loves contact, isn't afraid to go over the middle, attack the football in traffic, uh, full extension to make his catches over over his head, uh, will run through arm tackles, and I look at my notes and it just keeps saying 50-50 balls, 50-50 balls. This is the guy that's going to go up and attack the football in the air. Uh, he's one of those guys who's really fun to watch. I just wish that he was a little bit faster because then I could move him further up my board. Um, Zay Flowers out of Boston College. Look, 5'11", 178 pounds. The junior um, had a big year in, in 2020. Really put himself on the map uh, for the draft this season. 56 catches, 892 yards, 9 touchdowns. Really developed some chemistry there with Phil Dracovic. Um does a really good job shaking uh, corners at the line of scrimmage to to create separation at the line. Um, doesn't always sink his hips to explode out of cuts. Um, kind of relies on just that uh, raw athleticism. I think that's really what he, he needs to kind of work on is being more explosive out of those breaks to create that separation. Uh, not really a natural pass catcher either. You saw a lot of drops, a lot of body catches, especially on the outside. Um, what I, you do love is you see some separation on some double moves. Uh, that once he gets vertical, he's beating guys by two to three, two to three yards. Um, I think he dances too much at times rather than just getting up the field. Uh, so a lot of times he has the opportunity to make, turn a, a play into a big play, and he doesn't because he really loses that window of opportunity. He's looking too much to try to dance and try to make people miss, get on Sports Center. when really, man, if you just put your foot in the ground and get up field, you may actually turn it into a big play anyway. Um, you know, I thought effort at times with some of his routes wasn't always there, um, but the explosiveness is absolutely on display. The guy who also had 38 carries in his career there with the Eagles over the, his first two seasons, he, he's somebody to keep an eye out for. I just want to see him be a more polished receiver, more complete receiver. Uh, Khalil Shakir out of Boise State, six foot, 190 pounds. This is a dude who was just, he's been explosive for, for the Broncos in his first three seasons in uh, in Boise. Uh, over 1,700 yards through the air, 13 touchdowns. Also carried the ball 50 times, four touchdowns uh, running the football as well. And a guy who can uh, show off some versatility in, in the kicking game as well. Um, what I love is... Uh, he can get vertical in a hurry. You see that full speed getting down the field. Um, what I loved against Utah State, 52-yard um, touchdown, a double move, fake the corner, uh, then you know, post, cross the face of the safety, and then show the speed to go the distance. Um, really excellent concentration. Tip passes coming over the middle, still able to haul in the football. Um, you know, a guy who I think 
does a really good job weaving his way through traffic and through defenders. Does show a nice stiff arm. Um, also has a really nice arm over to beat uh, beat the jam off the line. Um, so a guy who I think can get a little, you know, some physicality. He's not really a name that you would think of as being a more physical receiver, but definitely a guy that's able to do that. And I mentioned this kid's versatility, but I think it was really on display in that Mountain West Championship against San Jose State. First drive, three plays out wide, three plays in the slot, one in the backfield. So definitely the versatility on display. Very shifty, sudden, quick acceleration after the catch. He's a guy that uh, is just going to be a reliable target for whoever's playing quarterback there for the Boise State Broncos. Uh, after that, you know Jalen Robinson out of UCF, he reminds me a lot of Hollywood Brown. Look, you know, 5'9", 163 pounds, actually played his freshman year at Oklahoma, only played in two games, transfers to UCF in his first year, was tremendously explosive. 55 catches, 979 yards, six touchdowns. A guy who, you know, he's not the biggest guy by any means. Look, 5'9", 163 pounds. He's, he's pretty small, but he does resemble Marquise Brown. Uh, and he's very sudden with his movements in the open field, just like Marquise, a guy that's going to get down the field. Um, I, I think that Marquise Brown, when he started his career, wasn't the most polished route runner. But you saw towards the end of his career there with the Sooners, very much more sudden with his route running, more sharp uh, sharpness to his cuts. And that's one of the things that you see with Robinson, a guy that does a really good job getting in and out of his breaks, um, stop and go against Tulsa, beat a Caleb Evans who's a, a corner who's going to be mentioned in this draft, uh, the transfer to Missouri, uh, gets deep, you know, 45 yards there, ate up the cushion against Allie Green, the fourth, also headed to Missouri, another guy that we're going to be talking about later on. Show that head fake, then able to run by him, two to three steps, gets deep for 45 yards. Um, he wins at the line on slants with that just that suddenness coming off the football. Um, he'll, he will find the voids in defenses. Hands catcher in traffic. He'll come back to the quarterback. So he's really uh, Dylan Gabriel's best friend because uh, he's going to show those numbers and really be a, a guy that's going to, despite his size, his lack of size, he plays a lot bigger. And that's one of the things that you can definitely appreciate with him. And look, his nickname is Flash for a reason, but he's, he's not the biggest guy by any means. And that's really the biggest thing that is going to be his knock. It, but look, Marquise Brown came off the board in round one. I'm not saying that Jalen uh, Robinson is there just yet, um, but he's a guy, he has that explosiveness, and he's worth the watch at UCF. Another guy that I've mentioned who is going to move up draft boards quickly if he has a big year there for Miami, and that's Charleston Rambo. 6'1", 175 pounds. Yes, you saw him in Oklahoma. He's transferred to Miami, and really what we need to see is 2019 Charleston Rambo, 43 catches, 743 yards, five touchdowns. This was a dude, um, you know, he never gave up on his routes, was always working across the field, deep for the quarterback, uh, a hands catcher, uh, body control along the sideline, um, showed a you know quick win on a slant versus Houston, then the speed to run away from the defenders, really accelerated past three DBs en route to a touchdown, um, able to stop and start, juke defenders in the open field. Just a guy who was really poised to be the guy. And here's the thing, if that was with um, you know, a guy by the name of, of C.D. Lamb, what was there playing in, in 2019, um, and was drafted in 2020, 
number 17 overall by the Cowboys. And really, there wasn't a whole lot of pressure on Charleston Rambo to be the number one receiver, and he had a huge year. Fast forward one year to 2020, and through nine games, just 25 catches for 312 yards and three scores. Um, you know, really expecting bigger, um, a bigger presence about him. You know, he, he had 17 starts uh, coming in, and uh, you know, yes, he did show off some of the shiftiness, slant and go, able to get vertical um, for a 40-yard gain. But really, he just seemed to disappear at times. He wasn't really the guy that took over games. Uh, you know, Marvin Mims. Uh, you know, Theo Weiss, some of these other receivers had to step up because Charleston Rambo kind of disappeared at times. And I don't know if it was the pressure of him being the number one guy uh, that, that got to him or, or what, but he just did not look like the same receiver, you know, the same confidence, you know, winning regularly and really, you know, making sure that you know, Spencer Rattler, look, if you're getting open and you're beating your guy, um, you know, Spencer Rattler is going to be getting you the football and you just didn't see that out of him in 2020. He transfers to, to Miami as a grad transfer. And look, the spring game, he was repeatedly winning off the line on his slants. That was one of the things that you love to see. Um, some quick throws in that game as well. Made multiple defenders miss in the open field that can accelerate away. That's what you saw even in 2020, that he was able to make guys miss in the open field. He could win on the slants. Um, you know, But... What type of presence are we going to see out of Charleston Rambo? Are we going to see 2019 Charleston Rambo where really the pressure was off of him? You know, CD Lambs got the, the main focus, but Charleston Rambo was able to have a big year. Or are we going to see the 2020 Charleston Rambo that kind of disappeared during the season? De'Ara King needs an explosive receiver, needs a number one wideout, doesn't really have that right now um, going into the season outside of Charleston Rambo. There's a perfect opportunity for him to, to be that guy. I want to see him step up. If he does that, Charleston Ramble is likely going to be in the top 10. You know, he just has that, that, that special quality to him to make plays, even when there, there really isn't. Uh, he's one of those dynamic players. So I, I really hope that uh, he can put everything together. Um, going into the group of five, uh, you got Javon Hiley. Um, uh, out of Coastal Carolina. Look, he's 6'2", 190 pounds. Had a huge year in 2020. Uh, 65 catches, uh, just two yards shy of 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns. He and, and, and Grayson McCall really developed some chemistry. This is a guy uh, who uses his size to his advantage. Uh, very reliable. Uh, plucks the ball out of the air with his hands. Um, you saw it in, uh, against Liberty in the Cure Bowl, uh, you know, creating late separation, using that big body to shield the ball from the defender uh, versus the corners in, in off coverage. will snap that route off on those out routes, get some easy eight yards in front of the uh, in front of the defenders. Um, go routes, got behind two DBs, tracked the football over his shoulder, able to kind of bend towards the sideline as well as the, the QB just drops the ball in over his shoulder. Uh, great play there, both by McCall and highly um, you know jump cut to the inside then back outside with an arm over to beat the the corner off the jam um, uh, he's just one of those guys who I'm just want to continue to see him you know with that polish you know that route running ability because um, we know he's a big guy does he have that that speed as well down the field um, a guy though that he's gonna be one of those go-to guys, one of those guys that's looked upon by, you know, for Grayson McCall, both he and the tight end Isaiah likely should have big years. But look, the Chanticleers are not going to sneak up on anybody. Everyone knows what Coastal Carolina can do now 
And, and so Javon Hiley, you know, that's really one of the things that you want to see him elevate his game. Uh, Cincinnati's Alec Pierce, 6'3", 213. Uh, just played in six games there for, for the Bearcats. Uh, 17 catches, 309, uh, 315 yards. That's 18.5 yards uh, per reception and three touchdowns. What I love about him is he's a technician with his route running. He's more of a possession guy. But look, that 18.5 yards per reception, he was a guy that wasn't afraid to attack the football down the field. Um, again, with the with the route running ability, he knows how to get open. Um, the catch radius is huge. Uh, very reliable with his hands. He kind of reminds me of Cooper Cup in a way because they're not overly explosive or fast. Just very quick and understand leverage and, and the ability to, to get open. And I think if he stays healthy, because he got bit with the injury bug in 2020, if he can stay healthy, you know, a big year from him and, and Desmond Ritter, and you're going to see Alec Pierce's name continue to be talked about as he's moving up draft boards. We're going to stay with a group of five. Uh, Justin Hall out of Ball State, 5'9", 186 yards. Look, this is a dude, 257 catches in his career. Um, over 2,700 yards, 13 touchdowns, um, also 85 uh, carries 610 yards, four touchdowns there. A guy that uh, you know, had 25 kick returns, 11 pump returns in his career. So a guy that just always had the football in his hands there for Ball State. 42 games with a reception, uh, active leader with uh, with pass catching. Um, you know, he's just a lot of fun to watch. You know, very dynamic. Um, has the hands to snag the football out of the air. Not going to be a body catcher by any means. Speed definitely to go the distance. Subtlety with some of his route running to be able to get open. Very quick in and out of his breaks. Very tough to bring down despite his size. Um, very elusive in space. And he's going to bring that stiff arm on the outside. That's one of the things that I think is really fun to watch is he's going to try to bury you whenever he can at just 5'9", 186 pounds. He runs with a running back mentality. Um, but you're not going to see him very often because he's playing at Ball State. But you know, I would encourage you, if you get a chance to watch the Mac, tune in and watch Justin Hall. On the opposite side, you got another guy that's really fun to watch, Johannes uh, Tyler. Uh, Johannes Tyler is 6'3", 208. And this past season, 42 catches, 607 yards, 8 touchdowns. What I love about Tyler is he's a big physical uh, receiver, very strong hands at the catch point. He'll put that corner on his back and he'll attack the football in the air. You'll see some of the stutters and release to the outside and, and the corners if they try to jam him. If he's already got, you know, if you don't have him square when you're jamming him, he's already by you and he has that physicality and that strength to really just run through that jam. He's not going to be a burner, um, but he is a long strider, a guy that's going to eat up a lot of yards in a hurry. And, uh, you know, just what I really loved was down the stretch against Buffalo and San Jose State. You know, had, uh, you know, some really nice games there. Um, you know, 10 catches, just under 200 yards, and two touchdowns in those two games combined. But a guy that, you know, he kept working back to the quarterback. I thought he did a really good job there. Back shoulder fades, a guy that was able to really show that, show off that basketball player mentality as well, boxing out the corners, elevating and attacking the football in the air. Uh, back shoulder, though, I, I just look at my notes and I have back shoulder, back shoulder, back shoulder. Uh, a guy that just knows how to uh, run those routes, drive the man uh, down the field, and then able to go ahead and open up and adjust to the football in the air on those throws to the outside, uh, even with those guys. So obviously he's able to go ahead and snap it off and be able to catch that ball. Um, I'm a big fan of Johannes Tyler, uh, just as a guy who I think is going to continue to develop 
And uh, I'm going to be watching to see what he can do there for Ball State here in 2021. Um, one guy I haven't mentioned yet, you're probably wondering why, and that's Reggie Roberson out of SMU. Six foot, 205, started his career at West Virginia, transferred to SMU. And uh, look, if we're... For the Mustangs, over 2,000 yards receiving in his career and 17 touchdowns, eight games over 100 yards, six touchdowns going into 2020. Uh, really battled injuries though. Uh, October 2019, you know, the foot injury put him out for the year. Only played in eight games. Uh, only played in five games in 2020 because he was out in October. October is just not a good month for him. Um, had a knee injury in 2020, so. Are we going to be seeing a Reggie Roberson who who can really um, what, he, he was dynamic getting down the field, able to um, take off and, and get vertical? You know, a guy that was very sudden as well. And I, I think it's really uh, man. Hopefully, he can get through October 2021. He, he's just a guy who I think can be a talented receiver at the next level. Um, you know, just the speed, ability to, to pluck the football out of the air and get down the field. He's very smooth, uh, team captain as well. And look, he, he's willing to be a blocker as well, you know, to, to spring his guys for, for extra yards. Uh, he's the teammate that you want to have, uh, very unselfish. Uh, you just hope that uh, he can stay healthy. And that's why I, ha- I don't have him mentioned among the some of my top prospects in this year's draft class because I just I'm so worried that this guy just can't stay healthy and one last name to throw out there is Tulsa's Juan Carlos Santana 6'1 175 and look JC Santana you look at the numbers nothing spectacular 34 catches 544 yards four touchdowns um, you'll probably remember the Hail Mary against Tulane that got the, the Golden Hurricane into overtime that allowed Zayvon Collins to have that 96-yard pick six to ultimately win it over the Green Wave. Um, but he had the uh, the Hail Mary catch in overtime, elevates, catches the ball over his head, uh, ultimately able to, to haul it in for the score, the game-tying score with it. And he's just one of those speed guys, a vertical threat, um, very lean, uh, needs to put some weight on, can kind of get pushed around a little bit and rerouted, but if you can hit him vertically, you know, he has a, has the chance to really do a lot of things over the top. Uh, and so just one of those names to watch out for in the American Athletic Conference, um, J.C. Santana. So we've gotten through the receivers. I've given you about 20 to 21 guys to keep your eye on. Next podcast, we're going to talk about the tight end position. And I know we're going to start in the SEC. We're going to talk about Jalen Weidermeyer of Texas A&M and Jaleel Billingsley out of Alabama, the two guys that are going to be at the top. Trey McBride, Colorado State, not too far behind. And then there are a lot of guys in that 6'5", 6'6", range, big physical targets. There's a lot to cover there. Look, the tight end class a season ago, you had Kyle Pitts at the top. We don't have that this year. But what we do have is a lot of depth, a lot of guys that are going to make plays for quarterbacks, and that's really what teams are looking for. They're looking for those tight ends who can be those pass catchers, but really what's going to separate these guys is who can be the blockers and who are the guys that struggle with some of that blocking, and that's really what you're going to see tipping some of those scales, but a lot to like at the tight end position. So we'll get through all of that in our next podcast. Episode 5 will be released here in the next couple of days. Until then... For readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Enjoy your week, everybody. And until next time, I am out of here.